Whether you're a computer professional or a computer novice, welcome to the Adwa Technologies Podcast. Chronicles in Computing! I'm your host, Adrian Walsh. Welcome to episode 4 of Chronicles in Computing. I'm your host, Adrian. In this week's show, I'm recording live from Melbourne, and we have a jam-packed episode. First of all, we take a look at the Forbes Top 7 Tech Trends of 2017. We also take a look at Apple Mac and the cults of the Apple fanboy. And finally, we take a look at qualifications, certifications, and experience, the ways to enhance and supercharge your IT career. All this and more in this week's show. The Forbes Top 7 Technology Trends of 2017. The content for this segment is summarized from a Forbes.com article titled Seven Technology Trends That Will Dominate 2017, with the contributor listed as Jason Demers. I thought this was a vital topic to cover in Chronicles in Computing, as it helps to pay attention to what's trending in the IT industry. And I know that people enjoy lists or countdowns, so here's one for you. I'll link the article on my website. In the words of Jason, I provide the following quote. Personally, I'm amazed at the technology we have available to us. It's astounding to have the power to retrieve almost any information and communicate in a thousand different ways using a device that fits in your pocket, unquote. The rest is all in my own words. So here we go. At number one, we have the Internet of Things, also known as IoT and Smart Home Technology. This means appliances and all your techie devices in your home all communicating via the internet. For example, turning your lights and air conditioning on and off from your mobile phone while you're out. The adoption of this has been delayed by security concerns and companies developing their own versions of stuff, meaning anything that is released has up until now been expensive, not worked very well, and the average person has no idea how it meets their needs. Companies will need to work harder to improve all of the prior mentioned issues. At number two, we have augmented reality and virtual reality. For those who have doubled with it, you might know the Oculus Rift. So this is virtual reality, where you can put a tech device on your head, play a game, or use a software application and feel you're in a different place. Augmented reality means to combine bits and pieces of information in the real world and put it into a game or app in real time. The most well-known example of this is Pokemon Go, where over 100 million people across the planet have so far downloaded it. This places the cartoon characters known as Pokemon into your camera view on your mobile phone. Number three is machine learning. I've covered this a fair bit in the segment in episode one, so basically teaching computers to make decisions on behalf of humans. Many of the other tech trends in this list require machine learning to work effectively. For examples, 
then we only have to look at this list. But I will say that Google is definitely the market leader in machine learning, particularly with how they make their own software available so easily to everyone. Just the humble Google search is machine learning at work. Number four is automation. There is the worry of the knowledge worker and blue-collar jobs disappearing regarding the automation of human tasks. In fact, what happens in most cases is that new work is created by freeing up the menial tasks that are no longer needed to be performed by humans. A good example we have seen is the automation of the boring and repetitive areas of journalism, such as sports scores and company stocks news. Journalists can then focus on writing quality stories, although we do see in many cases that may not be the case, particularly with in Australia, News Corporation and Fairfax all starting to lay off workers. But my opinion is that's got nothing to do with automation. That's just cost cutting overall. This show is trying to focus on the positive side. Automation becomes very powerful when combined with machine learning. Number five, we have humanized big data or data, whatever. This means taking um, the machine learning to look through the huge amounts of information uploaded onto uh, computers and the internet by humans, such as the junk you've posted on the internet in the past and trying to make sense of it. And so then we need to find a way to display it so a human can understand it. When computers make findings with information where humans could never have ever found the connections in the data, um, we can finally get some understandable re results. By displaying pretty charts and graphs, we make complete sense of it. As per the article, uh, visual, emphatic and qualitative, they were words used, so a lot more of this should be expected this year. Number six, we have physical and digital interactions. It sounds a bit confusing even for me, but well, for this one, I'll be brief. It makes so much easier when um, those that are not good at computers are able to interact with technology with an easy device such as a button, and all they do is press it. Best example here is Amazon. They offer a button called the Dash button. This is where you can press a physical button and it might be, say, located on your fridge connected with a magnet and it automatically orders your grocery top-ups for you when you press it. So we hope to see a lot more of that in the future. And it'd be so cool if everything's just an easy button or you speak to your device in your lounge and it does the stuff for you and finally on the countdown number seven everything on demand think food delivery sites such as Deliveroo, Uber Eats and Menulog, Airbnb for a place to stay instead of a hotel or the taxi disruption service Uber. The technology world has his buzz phrase quote the Uber of Insert industry name here, unquote. So with people feeling busier than ever, there are plenty of things that folks are willing to pay for or industries where people are dissatisfied with service and pricing and they want something better. It's really easy for a technically minded 
person to make a website, a mobile phone application, and just be on their merry way with disruption of industry. There are ethical and legal issues around this too, all of which is unwrapping in a positive and life-changing way for all, such as with ride-sharing being approved in many of the Australian states. Overall, I find the trends in technology very exciting as a result of the trends such as automation and job losses and the jobs that the on-demand economy offers. This is something to cover in one of the future episodes. So there we go, the top seven Forbes tech trends of 2017. Next, we take a look at why Apple Mac and the cult of it. I'm not the sort of person who wants to line up at an Apple store for the latest release of a Mac computer, MacBook laptop, iPhone mobile smartphone, or iPad tablet. But there are, of course, some of those who do like to do so. They are sometimes called the Apple fanboys or the cult of the Apple Mac. Those who religiously follow the products of Apple. The thing is, this term is probably used in a biased way by those who prefer products from other companies such as Microsoft. You're always going to get the I'm a Mac versus the I'm a PC battle. And of course, I'm quoting from a television advertisement where two men argued exactly like that with each other. It is more a case that the Apple fanboy is simply a term used to describe a person who is an early adopter of these technology products. A person who wants to be among the first to buy and own a new product is um, called an early adopter in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of these people and they just want to be, um, they want to get a name for themselves as being, I have this nice product, you don't have it, something like that. I guess that's how I picture it. But they see that there's a financial and a mental advantage to being an early adopter. That reminds me of a lot of gadgets which don't get adopted by the critical masses, such as the Segway personal transporter, although I did take pleasure in riding one of those in Canberra recently. I went to an interview to be an Apple genius, but I didn't quite get past the group interview stage. The people who work for Apple, whether it be Tim Cook or the ones doing the keynote speeches, down to the ones working in the Apple stores, they always seem to be overly passionate about Apple. You can see some sort of religious look in their eyes sometimes. I will comment that while I don't think there's anything wrong with this, the passion is just amazing to watch. Getting away from Apple Mac labeling, let's have a look at the why factor. In the past, if you wanted something that handled creative works better, you would be the one who bought the Apple products. Think digital imaging, like Photoshop, making music, think uh, Pro Tools or Logic, and otherwise making video. This uh, has stuck with the creative people over the years. It was crazy observing the bands playing at a music festival recently in Sydney. Even the rock bands, they all had a MacBook laptop on stage as part of their act. 
in the past, computer hardware was better than PC for creative tasks, but this really is no longer the case with Apple and PCs all using the same parts anyway. Any labels and passions for Apple have just stuck and been adopted into this new era of technology. Most corporate businesses and gamers, well, they'd be used to using the PC. And for them, that definitely has the advantage. Such as for gamers, they don't even make a lot of games for Mac. But yes, for the record, I currently use an Apple MacBook iPad and an iPhone, but I do also own a Windows Microsoft Surface 3, so I can do computer programming specific to Windows, such as C Sharp and Visual Basic, and that's for my software tutorial content as well. For the experiences I've had, it's the overall customer experience and product integration that Apple has done well with. And it's definitely a case of each to their own and whatever meets your needs more than the other. And finally this week, qualifications, certifications and experience. So the last segment is something for the knowledge and blue-collar tech workers. You saw that job ad on the internet, the email advising of the internal opportunity in your current job. Your friend told you about this great opportunity. But they want qualifications and they want experience that you don't quite have at the moment. Qualifications, certifications and experience. So that job you wish to apply for asks for something you cannot bring to the party. Time to think about supercharging your career. The ideal situation with qualifications like tertiary education, TAFE diplomas, university degrees and other corporate certifications such as ITIL, IT Infrastructure Library. Corporate certifications like those offered by Microsoft and Cisco is to be offered the chance to do it for free by having your current workplace carry the cost. You could ask and see if you could be offered this opportunity. However, I wouldn't just push your luck by harassing your boss repeatedly. But if you feel comfortable, there's probably not much risk. Just ask once. If you're unable to get your workplace to subsidise an education, then you can pay for the courses and exams and certifications and depending on the tax laws as well in the country which you reside in you claim the educational expenses as a tax deduction but please read up on tax law or speak to a qualified accountant before trying this out you may even be able to ask your employer for study leave if you're allowed in australia You can also get subsidised education. We have schemes for financing tertiary education, such as HECS and HELP loan fees. The final alternative here is to find cheap online courses, and in the case of corporate certifications, you could try and skip the textbooks and just do the final exam on the cheap if you're capable. You can go directly onto Microsoft.com, for example, and pay with your credit card and do those exams for the Microsoft certificate 
a certified professional. And yes, there are practice tests you can also purchase and download, but please don't just be the one who does the exam for the certificate and not utilize or absorb any of that knowledge for afterwards. You can download free courses as well, although the free courses will not get you a final certificate and if you want, you can just do the fee for the final exam there. Now, some good resources that I've utilized are the iTunes U, which is an app, iTunes University on the iPad and the iPhone. In, in Australia, have a look at open.edu.au set of courses free and paid I'll add a note that while I do have a university degree in programming which also covered many all-round concepts of IT most of the programming I've learnt didn't even exist back in that time of 2000 to 2004 a great way of learning code for me has been YouTube amongst other things and for learning new types of computer programming I've paid for a few courses when they were on sale at uh, udemy.com which is spelled U-D-E-M for Mike Y.com so they actually had a sale at Christmas time where the courses were $15 Australian each So have a look for sales as well there. So if the job ad asks for experience, you need a specific level of experience in many cases, such as a proven industry experience in X and Y computer programming language, which I find is the case for a lot of the roles that I have looked for. But your current role, maybe it doesn't offer this. So it could also be unemployed, and there's no chance of getting that experience. Number one thing, of course, is in your job application or the interview is don't lie, but you could also emphasize that you're quick to learn and put that in the cover letter or mention that in the interview when asked, just be honest. Sometimes if the employer can't find a suitable candidate, they will be offering the chance for you. So that's why I said Oh, don't lie. You can say, I'm quick to acquire new skills, new computer languages. Now, for gaining experience to break into IT roles, I initially did a short-term desktop support computer internship in a government department in Queensland. Whilst internships are useful, um, they don't pay the bills, so don't do those for a long period. Sometimes as well, You can um, offer to create or join a side project in your current role if you are employed and you can learn the skills needed and you can add those to your resume or CV under the heading of your current role. And the final way, of course, to gain skills and experience is just to go out there yourself and hustle for business. In the case of IT, there's plenty of people in your area willing to pay for services such as website design Get yourself a cheap website and a set of business cards, which is what Adwa Technologies is exactly. I'll put on my list of things to cover in one of the next podcasts, literally a journal of what I'm doing at the moment and how I got my website and how I got started. So there you go. Qualifications, certifications and experience. 
the podcast has now come to a close. Please visit www.adwa.net.au.